This podcast includes unapologetic logic and reason and may not be suitable for all audiences. In a world full of nonsense, he's been called the voice of uncommon common sense. He sees the abnormal that many find normal. Author and award-winning speaker, he is Chris the day I told you it's a busy time, but do not fear your favorite podcast is here. I hope I don't get too distracted. I've been uh, texting with a couple buddies from the Marine Corps. Uh, let me put that away. I'll be consumed with it, and there's nothing there that I can share with you. All completely inappropriate. As a matter of fact, I'm ashamed to participate in it. Veterans, a kooky bunch, nuts, really, all of you. What do you want me to say? Uh, you know, I found out I, uh, I may get a discount on my homeowner's insurance for being a veteran. Yeah, you know, there really are benefits to being a veteran. You get uh, discounts at Applebee's and Lowe's. The great benefit, I'm being serious, by the way. You know, if you really want to work it, uh, you can work it to your advantage and do so, I say. Thank you, businesses that support veterans. I think it's great, of course. I really do. From a personal and a civic standpoint, I think it's good for the country. It's good to show people that we'll support them in their service. It really is. So, uh, yeah, I think it's a great idea. One of the best benefits for veterans, I think, is the VA home loan. And uh, it's not always the best way to go, but it can be a great way to go. And it really helps a lot of veterans. Anyway. I got some interesting stuff to talk to you about. I thought I had four stories. It's really only three stories. Hmm. I don't think I'm going to change the title either. Uh, maybe I will. Let's see. I was going to call this four stories, but it's really only three. So listen carefully a second and see if you can follow along with what I'm telling you. So you probably heard me talk about this uh campaign that I got involved in, and I served as the campaign treasurer. And the reason that I did it is that I am pretty much a uh, roll-your-sleeves-up-get-involved kind of guy to figure things out, see what's really going on. Uh, I learn much better by doing as opposed to reading. And not that I don't read, because I read an awful lot, and I do learn that way, and it's a great way to learn. Uh, But I think that experience means something. And in certain situations, quite frankly, it can mean everything. Just my way of looking at things. So bottom line, I wanted to get involved, and I did. And what I found was, uh, you know, first of all, the the people at the state, because ultimately for this campaign, this is being um, uh, the oversight, is provided by the Pennsylvania Department of State. And I found that working with the people there to be exceptional, okay? No issues there. I don't know if they're liberal, conservative. I don't know if it matters, but I found them to be incredibly responsive and helpful, even on weekends and off hours. It was amazing. Very pleased with all that, okay? But as far as the rules and the system, you know, first of all, and I don't know that everybody's going to understand this. It doesn't really matter. If you were a corporation that's been around for, you know, I don't know, even a a little while, you would be taking all of this data from these campaigns and you would put it in a database. 
okay? That would give you the ability to sort, find, attach to geotags and map the locations. You're going to think I'm nuts? Listen to me a second. Let me just put this in perspective for you a second. You could buy the Pennsylvania voter rolls, Democrat and Republican, list the registered voters and their addresses. Um, and you could then take that and um, create mail labels out of it. Uh, you could put it in a database, create a map of it very easily. I mean, uh, it, it probably all with free software, tell you the truth. You might want something paid to get a little better result. But you could actually do it with free software. Piece of cake. Publicly available information. You know, it's funny to me, you know, people that, you know, concerned about, uh, you know, tracked, identified, they already know. <laughs> they already have that information. Very well detailed. How do you think gerrymandering works? Anyway, point being, just to give you a simple thing about this election and the reporting, the reporting was done with a PDF, which is just digital paper. No database at all. Now, anybody who's a little crafty today you know, with a little AI could take that image of that that document and, and convert it to uh, text and then to a table and then to CSV format and bring that into a database. Uh, this might sound technical, and it really isn't that technical. So what I'm saying to you is that this campaign system, at least in Pennsylvania, is incredibly archaic, to say the least. And filling this thing out, oh, it's a fillable PDF. Thanks for the effort from the department. It is fantastic, applaudable. But let's not get too sophisticated, for God's sake. The world's being overtaken by AI, and our government election system has worked out on, on fillable PDFs. And anybody who knows anything about uh, uh, technology past Windows 95 will tell you how insane that is. Okay? Antiquated system. Point one. I'm talking about campaign finance laws. I'm going somewhere with all this. Please stay with me. Secondly, I, I don't know how you could possibly understand the rules and the laws. Even the basic reporting requirements were like reading Greek to me. Uh, I guess if I did it again, it would become a lot easier. It would be nice if there was some help. There's none. There's like a loose little network. Maybe somebody will respond to a call. The party does nothing for the grassroots candidates. Good luck. Hire a consultant, I guess. What does that mean in practical terms? I can tell you this. Those campaign finance laws are impossible to comply with if for no other reason than the sheer complexity. How can you be compliant with something that nobody understands? So, and I could go on and on about this, this idea of purposeful confusion. It's by design. The whole Pennsylvania election law, you've heard me talk about this, unenforceable, ridiculous, poorly written law. This is what it does. It creates chaos on purpose. They're using it as a distraction. So, um, the bottom line I'm trying to make with the campaign finance law is that everybody's breaking the law. Every campaign, you go, oh, campaign finance violations, campaign finance violations. Uh, we had one, the candidate, not, not my uh, committee, they had to pay a fine. Can you not? I think she, she was able to get out of it or something. I don't know. 
So what? So what? Well, I look at this classified document story. Did you see they now found uh, Pence with documents? My buddy says to me, why, why is Pence talking through his lawyer? Because he's got a big problem, just like old Biden. They better cooperate, and uh, 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 they're still going to be in big trouble. Let me tell you something. Trump, this is really kind of funny when you think about this. Now, I don't know where, you know, I'm just observing here, right? I'm, I'm just the, the knuckle dragger down here outside of Philadelphia in my, my cave in a dark uh, hole in the ground recording a podcast. What do I know? Nothing. But something's going on. Trump exposes this thing in the most grandiose way. He forces the government to say, oh, this is a, this is a matter of, you have Adam Schiff saying that it's a national security issue. How irresponsible. Trump should be charged. Trump blows this thing up with the uh, assertion that he was able to declassify the documents, which he did, and so he was free to take them. Now, uh, has that been tested in court? I'm not sure. I'm not sure it will be. (laughs) The courts aren't going to want to step in this political mess now. They're going to go back to the DOJ and be like, you figure it out. You were the guys that were breaking down doors, talking about the national security threat. But somehow none of the Biden documents, the small, small, teeny, weeny, weeny, little bitty number, he says. Anyway, and then Pence and Biden is our type of series. And they're like, oh, well, we found stuff for when you were a VP. Oh, from when you were a senator. Now, half of this other guy is like, is there any controls on this stuff? Like, what are we talking about here? Who knows how much stuff is flopped around, whatever. Is it kind of like the campaign finance laws that they're creating a situation where everybody in, in some way is, is guilty of the with these uh, classified documents? I don't know. You know, you could go so far as, you know, where they planted kind of thing, right? There's going to be people making horror. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think they were planted. Not like that. But, you know, maybe this was allowed to go on and on, right? And maybe Trump loyalists now are using it as a tool to gut the swamp. Amazing. I don't know. Who's behind it? You know, I, I compare this with these with this hit job on Biden, and it looks like they're gonna Pence is gonna get caught up in it. Who knows who else is scrambling at this point, right? Oh, how many people? National security threat. That's what they said. That's what Adam Schiff was saying. Oh, no, not the itsy-bitsy, teeny-weeny little documents that Biden had, though. No, no. No, that's there's nothing. And he's fully cooperating. We'll see. I don't think it's going to fly. I don't know. Could it be Trump loyalists inside? I don't know. Really interesting. Who knows? Maybe the whole thing will backfire. Trump will get hung up in it, and they'll all go off scot-free. I don't know, but... The whole story, it's very interesting to me. We're watching this; these political hit jobs go on. It's unreal, really. So the second thing that I wanted to tell you, and I wanted to give you this story. I believe I've mentioned some of this before. Uh, but this is just a matter of perspective and politics. One of the things that you will find in public sector union contracts, such as maybe your local town's government, 
is a likelihood that the employees there participate in a union. We call that a public sector union if you don't know. And if you don't know, these public sector unions have become very influential in politics. The union dues used heavily to support political campaigns of almost entirely Democrats uh, for many years. The, there's activities that go on. I could go on and on about that, but it's not why I bring it up. What you'll frequently find in these union contracts is these very goofy clauses of benefits and payments for things that don't exist in private sector contracts. Uh, the first of which, which is kind of standard in government, is that time and a half overtime begins at eight hours uh, on any given day, whereas normally for the private sector, it's after 40 hours a week. You know, so in theory, uh, you could work 40 hours straight in the private sector before you start making time and a half. In most public sector contracts, it says you begin getting time and a half at the end of the day. And uh, there's lots of reasons for that, but it's financially beneficial to the employee. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. Uh, I think it is both in many cases. Uh, overall, I would say it's a, a good thing in those contracts, a, a good way to, to compensate people. Um, and it doesn't really matter, though, the context of my story. You might disagree. My point is that you have these goofy clauses. You'll have cleanup uh, hours and and dinner time paid and and these different things. And some of that is a function of varying shifts that you would see sometimes in private sector stuff too. But that's not the reason that you're seeing it in the public sector contracts. The reason that you are is because it's basically giving the appearance that the wages are lower than they really are or that the package is less than it really is. And you, know, you say, well, these guys are only, or girls are only making you know, $20 an hour. Yeah, but it's Cadillac health insurance, and when you factor in the overtime and shift differentials, et cetera, et cetera. Now, like I said, some of that does exist. You see nurses with things like that. Some of them are union too, by the way. Um, I'm just saying it's, it's almost nearly uh, always the case with public sector work, you find these things very repetitive. And it's for that reason. It's because there's a segment of the public that believes that all government employees at all times, at every level, are overpaid and don't do anything for it. And it's just a common, yeah, yeah, overpaid, don't do anything. And uh, there's certainly some of that out there. A lot of it's elected, but that's another story. Some of it appointed for sure. But um, either either way, there's this pressure to keep wages low from the public. And so as a result, over the years, um, you've got these strange contracts that are kind of lopsided. And I think it's part of what the unions are no longer happy with, some of the, the, you know, the, the rank and file. I talked about this before relative to the rail workers. You know, the, the, the health benefit package is so ridiculously expensive. Uh, you know, $30,000 a year expensive. And, and that probably includes more than health, but still, it's $30,000 in insurance benefits for one employee? That's through the roof. And that doesn't always even include the pension part of it. Anyway, you get these goofy clauses in public sector contracts. Why? 
because of the political pressure to keep wages low, combined with the you know pressure internally to compensate people well so that the jurisdiction can attract good, competent people. Of course, people have different feelings about all that. But I'm just explaining to you why you see something goofy in politics. Let me explain it to you another way, and I want to give you story number three. You know that I spent a good part of my career as in real estate development and uh, cut my teeth pretty heavily building uh, over 55 communities, we call them here, retirement communities, if you will, uh, age-restricted, over 55. I don't know if you have them where you're at, but they were big here for a while. You don't really hear too many of them anymore. But um, anyway, it was great. I was in on it early, learned, you know, cut my teeth on it. I learned some lessons and a uh, fascinating career with it. But anyway, as part of that experiment, uh, experience, um, developers here are required when there's a homeowners association that the developer has to start it and fund it, have all the documents in place, reserve funds in place. Uh, and just to point out a little interesting something, by the way, at least by Pennsylvania law, Let's say that uh, you have a community of uh, 100 homes, which is pretty big by current Pennsylvania development standards. And that those 100 homes, whether it's condos in, in a building or townhomes or single homes, doesn't really matter. 100 homes in this community. And you say, we're going to keep it private. Maybe it's even going to be gated. Right? So you have a gate. Uh, it would be common around here for something like that, at least in certain areas. And the roads are going to be private. And there's sidewalk. And there's a pool. At a clubhouse, it's all private to this community of 100 homes. Maybe there's a walking path through the community. Uh, sometimes that, they make that shared with the rest of the community. Sometimes that's private. But all those improvements, the pool, the clubhouse, the roads, the gate, the walking tra- trail, the lighting, paying for the electric for the street lights if you want them, private community, you can decide. Some people want them, some people don't. Anyway, the developer is required by law to set that up with proper reserves. Proper replacement reserves, meaning that there's money being set aside every month to replace things uh, as they become due. And I've often argued, why isn't the government required to do that? Interesting little fact, right? They require it from the private developers, but not of the government. Well, because the government can just raise taxes. It's not really necessary. But here's what I wanted to tell you about homeowners associations. Uh, Boy, we we always uh, couldn't wait to get out of them. Because what would happen is, let's say that the association is taking care of something simple, like the grass, the mowing. And then this guy wants fertilizing. This guy gets all torqued about that. Am I going to pay to fertilize? Then I'm going to be paying to cut twice a week. I just heard somebody say this. I kid you not. And it's really true. I mean... I don't go dropping fertilizer for a variety of reasons, but that's one of them. I don't need it to grow too well. (laughs) We don't have the best lawn. I'm working on that. That's another story I'll tell you another time. But you see the division? It's not like you got this guy wants it at four inches and this guy wants it at three. Oh, no. I mean, we're talking whether to cut it at all. You know, and then this guy puts a sprinkler system in. This guy's going, wait a minute here. You're going to tell me you're going to take this lawn bill and divide it amongst everybody and i got to pay because this guy's out here watering every day? Mine's been brown. They haven't mowed over. They're running over dirt. You see what I'm saying? It goes on and on and on. Um, you know, in some cases, the whole community has sprinklers. Even snow, it's the same thing. 
so there's little agreement. And the reason I, I say all that, you, just, you get a little bit of a sense at how tough and messy government and politics is. And that's why you see so many, out, one of the reasons why anyway, corruption is another, of course, but one of the reasons why you see um, these goofy outcomes and situations. Anyway, just thought I'd share a little of that. It wasn't, maybe wasn't the most entertaining stories that I've ever shared, but reasonable, huh? Informative, I think. Eh, whatever. You guys are tough. All right, here's a couple stories for you. Classified documents found that Pence's Indiana residence, I didn't even get a chance to check into this past the headline, a small number of documents were inadvertently boxed and transported. <laughs> Pence was unaware of the existence or sensitive classified documents at his residence, said his lawyer. You know, uh, well, first of all, does it make a difference he was unaware? I mean, you better take a look at the laws on this. And, and, and uh, a small number inadvertently this and that. Like I said, is there no controls on this stuff? I don't get it. Uh, Fox News is saying that California Democrats are considering a wealth tax for people who moved out of the state. This is funny. I'm sure unconstitutional. They want legislation that would impose a new tax on the richest residents, even if they've already moved to another part of the country. Uh, and a bill was introduced in the legislature that would impose an annual extra 1.5% tax on residents with a net worth of over a billion, a worldwide net worth. Even trying to get the reporting of that is probably not legal. Uh, I don't know. There's a bunch of other adjustments here. The legislation is a modified version of the wealth tax approved in the California Assembly in 2020, which the Democrat-led state Senate declined to pass. Interesting, right? Uh, If it happens, it's going to be trend-setting. Will more people leave California as a result? Who knows, really? You know, how could you say? Is the population of California really declining? Question that, too. Why isn't uh, there a surge at the California border? Always wonder that, right? Always Texas that gets stuck with it. The FBI was spying on people's library activity as far back as 1971, looking for uh, Soviet spies. CNBC talking about what they call greedflation, saying that a lot of food brands are hiking up prices. Uh, I've seen firm evidence of this. We have a local, uh, I think, what do you call it? Not a co-op. It's employee-owned. It's called Redner's. I don't know why I'm keep being cryptic about it. Strange I did that, right? I don't know. Certain things I like to keep to myself. You know how I am. I'm a little cynical. Everybody needs to know where I, where I shop. <laughs> I don't buy everything there, just for the record. Anyway, uh, I do support them and kind of what they're doing. Uh, I don't like everything that they have, but I'm going to tell you the prices. I haven't really seen any uh, overall increases, certain items, but prices are still good. That's why I go there. Get a load of this. This kind of blew my mind. Are you aware of the how the uh, Earth's magnetic core shifts? 
I mean, this is like an ongoing thing. I don't really even understand. I just know that it moves. It has moved, I think, significantly recently. They're saying that the Earth's core has stopped spinning and could be reversing direction. Uh, They're doing this based on, like, some kind of sonar uh, analysis, which uh, I wouldn't guarantee that this is uh, entirely uh, accurate, but... Assuming that it is or is somewhat, this is the fan phenomenal, really. And I think there's other things. Well, the, the, like I said, the magnetic uh, north has been shifting. It's been creating problems in a variety of ways. Uh, I think I've talked about. I know I've talked about it in the past. And now this thing with the core, maybe it's related. Maybe it's making everybody crazy. If you didn't think that was strange, the Washington Post says that humans still have the genes. For a full coat of body hair. I, I think mine might be hyperactive. I'm getting hair everywhere. No, I'm kidding. It's not really true. Actually, not at all. I get a lot of hair in my ears. That's it. My ear hair is doing fine. I'm like, the, my lower legs are, are, are no hair. There's a term for that, too, for when that happens to men. I don't know. Maybe it happens to women, too. You wouldn't care, right? You just stop shaving. Yeah, I don't have to shave my legs. I got a little hair, but it's not much. It's funny as I've gotten older. Does anybody care? I'm going to sound like creepy like Biden now, right? All right, never mind. Uh, this is interesting. Ron DeSantis uh, pushing proposals to teachers. Uh, I think he's spot on. I've talked about this. Smart guy, really. Maybe somebody down there is listening to this podcast. It's entirely possible. I said that a big opportunity for Republicans to get with the rank and file and flip these unions right now. Get these benefit costs down, restructure the salaries, and you got yourself a winner. A lot of talk about this Russian Wagner group. They try to vilify it. The United States, um, I think, is trying or has made it a, a, a criminal or terrorist organization. They don't care. They don't care at all. Yeah, as opposed to what? The U.S. methods of doing things? Really interesting. Fascinating, this the shift in world power, you know, we talk, it's coming. It's like, no, it, it happened. I, I don't think we're in, we or Europe is in control over that. I think Russia's winning. I, well, time will tell. Maybe it's going to go on forever. I mean, how can you make any predictions? You really can't. Russia has an incredible number of troops there. They've set this up to say, hey, um, don't you send your foreign troops in here. And Russia's, you know, imposed de facto limits on the weapons and um, it'd be interesting to see interesting to see what happens border city of Yuma is on the brink of collapse under unprecedented migrant surge Yuma Arizona this is an American city how's this happen and and the and, the, and the, tell me again why the military can't get involved to defend our own damn borders? Bullshit. Absolute bullshit. Forgive me. I try to keep the podcast clean. But it's complete BS. What the hell do you... And people are like, oh. Oh, yeah, we can't use the military to defend the border. What? What are you talking about? I don't know, send them National Guard down. I don't care. Who is responsible for it? Oh, it's only uh, border and immigration control. Are we just supposed to sit here and watch the country be overrun? Are we out of our collective minds? 
I don't know what to tell you. It's happening. There's nothing I can do about it. I asked myself, what if I lived in Yuma? What would I be doing? Wow. What would you be doing? It's coming. It's going to be coming to places. People have no idea. What do you think's happened in New York? They're busting at the seams. Where are they going to go? They're going to go somewhere. Low-income housing project sparks outrage in Nantucket. <laughs> First of all, I'd like to know what a low-income housing project in Nantucket looks like. And and it's fascinating that the wealthy people up there. Oh, this was the fourth story. I do have the fourth story. I, how could I forget? Yeah, this is a good one. Perfect for the low-income housing project. I say this, I could, if, they, if they tried bringing a low-income housing project, like where we live, whew, oh my, people would be up in arms. They would never want that. Um, <laughs> there's been much smaller things proposed that people just go bonkers about. A little wee bit anti-development, you could say, the least. But anyway, here's the other story I wanted to tell you. I'm down here in uh, liberal Looneyville. I mean, these are serious, liberal, environmental, strong environmentalists. Seriously, serious about it. They've actually talked about banning uh, fossil fuels in this town. I kid you not. Like, you can't legally do that. Let's start there. They've talked about going electric with the trash trucks. It goes on and on. No problem. No problem. I actually I was out walking with a buddy of mine over the weekend. And we walked down past the creek down below my house. He says, man, that water looks good. I said, oh, yeah, our township does a great job. We really do. I applaud that. Okay? But here's the part that cracks me up. Not one of their kids rides the school buses while they still, have, I guess by law, have to run the school buses around. For the two kids who do take it, must be embarrassed as all get out. It backs up the traffic. You have cars will sit up there for an hour uh, idling. How's this good for the environment? My wife's car shuts off. You know, I guess that's good, right? I don't know what to tell you. It doesn't jive with me. I mean, it's at least stop running the buses. Why aren't they all, none of them driving electric cars? Not none of them, but all just sitting there idling, belching out volumes of CO emissions with their blowing in our children's faces. How dare you? Right? Come on. I told, I told you guys, I could be the best liberal ever. Tell me I wouldn't. How dare you? How dare you to our children, let alone the existential threat from your careless, selfish actions? Oh, boy. Whew, giving myself the chills here. I think I'm ready for 60 minutes. A little uh, Greta Gretchen, the... Uh, a little environmental troll. She doesn't have anything on me. I could take her down. <laughs> Be like, you're not even close to a real environmentalist. Anyway, I'll be waiting up there in line uh, the next couple of days to pick my daughter up. Go figure. Schools face pressure, harder line discipline. I'd be interested to know what people have to say about this. I know those people are already oh, to bring back spanking in schools. I'm like, if that teacher ever lays a hand on my child. It'll be the biggest mistake they ever make. What are we talking about here? You're nuts. Uh, the World Health Organization pushing vaccines. 
nuts. Nuts. What is this? Talking about the uh, the debt here. Oh, Mansion White House not negotiating the debt ceiling is a big mistake. This is a big indication. Is it the the bankers that are taking Biden out? Is he, nah, this guy's spending carelessly. We we got to reel this in. We got to go a different route. Bring Trump back. At least we'll have cash flow. At least a little longer. The mayor of Washington D.C is telling Biden that allowing the White House employees and the federal employees to work from home is destroying the city. Nobody there to support the businesses. Do you remember I told you the story about the gay couple in Georgia that were um, abusing their adopted children? Disgusting story, right? Apparently they're having a tough time in jail. That was very predictable. And apparently they're not handling it very well. Does anybody really care? I wouldn't think so. Lots of U.S. churches on the decline. There was a number in here. Losing their religion. Why why U.S. churches are on the decline? I thought there was a number here. It was staggering. Oh, here you go. 4,500 Protestant churches closed in 2019. That's the latest that data is available. About 3,000 New churches open. All right, so net loss of fifteen hundred across the country. I'd say it's significant. Protestant pastors reported typical church attendance is only eighty-five percent of pre-pandemic levels, and it was low then. Sixty-seven uh, percent of Americans said they go to church once a year, compared to seventy-five percent before the pandemic. It goes on and on. Uh, it's not because of the pandemic. The pandemic might have just been the, the hinge pin, but it's been going on for years, for a very long time. This, I mean, even towns here, you just saw church after church after church, and everybody went every Sunday. Not 100%, but it probably literally reversed the statistics. And you look at what the country was and became during that time, and you compare that to now. And tell tell me there isn't something to that. What are you going to do? Hey, uh, I'm glad I could make it back today. I thought it was a lot of good stuff we talked about. And uh, God willing, I'll be back tomorrow if I make it, if I can survive that long. I hope to see you there.